Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. So once the season gets past Labor Day and we're in the stretch drive, um, you, you really get to see you know, how, how teams are, are sort of planning for the next season as well. Not just the teams that are in it, but the teams that are not. I think you'd actually argue more that the teams that are not in it are the teams that you're seeing planning for next season. I don't think the Mets are certainly doing any planning for next season right now. You know, Hopefully at, not. At the major league level. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I think we hope that uh, you know, by now we, we've, got, we've seen the September call-ups, and we're going to talk about that in this podcast and how different September call-ups are today. I mean, it's basically gone. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but before we do that, uh, the rule changes came out this past week here. Uh, as, as we record on September 11th, um, and and I think we we would you know do our our listeners a service by saying so what do we think about the rules and we'll probably do more about this in the offseason yeah, as more, we prepare for next year. Gut reaction to the initial change. So what? So what? Else. Tell me, tell me your gut reactions. Um, Pitch clock, I'm happy with. I think it's a good thing. I think we saw that like, the minor league games were down like over a half hour, or close to a half hour. Was, like, I think the, yeah, the games were around two and a half hours on average. So the rule, the rule is going to be fifteen seconds uh, for nobody on base yeah. and twenty seconds uh, if there's runners on base. Sounds fine to me because because let's be realistic. The half hour of somebody was like, oh well, what do you mean you're going to be happy about less baseball? We're not losing any baseball. It's not like we're playing one less inning now. Yeah, somebody uh, wrote uh, back on one of our, our posts, you know, about well, why do you guys want shorter games? And and, and it isn't just about shorter games. It's more action per minute per game. As I think what we want. That's what we feel. That's to me the important part. Is I am much more interested in having a high number of action per minute like if we're losing a half hour of stuff that literally isn't anything happening other than waiting for guys to throw pitches who is upset about that and and maybe in the offseason we'll get into like well how's it going to affect different pitchers and you know the, the workload mm-hmm. the pitcher is going to be throwing more pitches per minute than he was doing before th- that kind of stuff i think on the other hand banning the shift is not needed i think doing that at the same time as the pitch clock is a little too much yeah, well, I, and and you know that I, I I felt the same way. Um, the shift restriction, right? So what they're going to be doing is having two players on each side of second base, and they can't stand on the grass. Now, can they put their feet on the grass? Now, you used to be able to, obviously, even before people started shifting, players would play on the you know edge of the outfield grass. During the regular, nobody said anything about that, it because they were fine. in their having, normal positions. It's more about I think having the multiple people like. In that area, you know what I mean. Is I think it's a, that's that's what it's much more about. So you know, and um, just you know, to the pitch clock for a second. One thing I thought was interesting is that uh, somebody was making the comment that relief pitchers, uh, because they're in pressure situations, normally are slower workers than our starting pitchers and, and and middle relievers because there's pressure on the game and they have to be you know almost perfect on every pitch. And so maybe the consideration could be made that you even extend the pitch clock a little bit in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, for instance, and you add a few seconds. I think the the players like you know they they went a little longer than. The minor league with 15 and 20 seconds um it's going to take adjustments you know and and those adjustments will probably shake out as much in spring training next year as they will in the first couple of weeks but if it's anything like it happened in minor league baseball um, in addition to shortening the games uh the you know the adapt the the adapting of the teams took about two weeks or so of the season before pretty much it wasn't an issue anymore and for the most part i think the players like it i think so too I think I think it's just, that's the other thing is that players are going to be resistant to these changes at first because they're just not going to like any kinds of changes. 
Right. Well, and, and, and of course, I think you made the point off here. Now, let's look how we got here. Um, that the, the collective bargaining agreement allowed for this to happen, right? Because the players sort of took themselves out. They only had two votes mm-hmm. on this committee, and, and they basically voted against the changes, but there were more votes on the committee that were for the changes, and so the players' votes didn't really mean anything and ended up happening anyhow. So the, the, uh, the shift thing... Uh, the one argument against it, and 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 again, we are we 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 don't think they should make the change, but they're doing it anyway, so it doesn't matter what we think. Yep, uh, is the the batting average on uh, balls exit velocities above? I think it was ninety five, had dropped uh, one hundred eleven points uh, since the implementation of the shift. You know, uh, a few years ago, at, as a regular thing, so the same ball that was hit, um, you know, a few years ago was a, a, a hit. You know, a lot of tenth of the less time. Right. Uh, And so that is what fans see, right? So you see a guy rip one into the. And And there's some guy standing, you know, 30 feet out into right field, fielding it on one hop and then throwing to first base. And you're like, that should be a hit. Uh, Right. The fans, we've seen that be a hit, uh, as everybody says, for all as long as baseball. But what we don't factor as fans is the little cue shot that goes off the end of the bat when they're shifted. And let's say the furthest infield on the left side is at shortstop. And and so it just kind of spins up. Up the yeah, third baseline and you forget that because that's that a base hit <laughs> about a tenth of the time as well so like the average though the average average right on balls hit over 95 is down 111 points the overall batting average is not down anywhere close to that amount because it's being offset by these hits that would not be hits were they not playing the uh, actually I, I wonder if there's a stat we could find that would say and balls hit under you know 10 miles an hour, you know, just off the bat that script, they have a higher batting average because there's no fielders there anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to happen at the same time, like you said. I, I think that would be our position. You could have waited a couple of years and see, well, you know, what's the impact of all this? But Major League Baseball went ahead and did that. They also increased the size of the bases um, from 15 to 18. Which is good. On this podcast, we like anything that makes it safer for the players. They did one other thing that's not really being talked about very much, mm-hmm. uh, but we, we didn't. And that is the throws over to first base during the uh, when the, when the runners are, uh, during the inning, uh, and the pitcher is now limited to two throws over. I think that's going to have a big impact, and 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 they did uh, do this uh, in the minor league level, and it raised stolen base attempts up, you know, uh, some uh, or stolen base up somewhat significantly. Well, because if you can get a guy to waste his two throws over. You could take basically whatever lead you want at that point. But you're only allowed to disengage. So that's what they're calling in that disengagement. That is when you're not on the rubber facing the hitter. You disengage, you break the rubber, you throw to first, you look to first, you, do, you can only disengage you know, a couple of times. So I think the pitchers are nervous about that. Right, because I would be too, because if you throw over twice... The, the guy can basically go walk halfway to second base before you throw the pitch, and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, to me, and, and maybe it's because the Met catchers are as good defensively as we've had in a long time, they throw out more base runners. And I remember Met catchers throwing out for, for years. For a long time, But yeah. catchers will generally tell you, like, these guys are super fast already. Why are we giving them even more an advantage to steal second base? Because who's going to you know bear the brunt of the criticism? It's, it's going to be, be the catchers. catcher. Yeah. And, and it's not a rule that they you know they, they limit two throws. It, doesn't, it still didn't throw them out. Yeah. So the catcher ends up with the same result. Where, where, where this should basically drastically increase the number, you know, stolen base success rate too, because you can get better leads. So we'll get more into that, uh, like I said, in the in the off season. But um, September call ups, you know, also changed as part of uh, the it's pandemic the roster, and the roster changes and the roster change. So so basically, we we know now that the major league has kind of settled on a twenty six. 
six-man roster, and it can Mm -hmm. bulk up early in the season to 28, and then they came back down to 26. But you remember uh, for years, and that had probably a lot to do with the minor leagues and the way they they handling September call-ups, were 40-man rosters uh, at the major league level. So you could be bringing up, when there's a 25-man roster, 15 players. Okay, I'm not good at math, but 30 teams, 15 players. So 450 new players could be playing, would be playing in the major leagues in September. That's a lot of guys. That's a lot of guys. So that you've really, maybe you've seen them, right? Because they've been up and down during the season, um, or maybe not. We've got some guys, but now you don't bring up that young kid to give him a taste of the major leagues to sit on the bench and just watch, and maybe he gets in as a pinch runner or whatnot. Because you've got 40 you give guys. Him, you give him an, you give him a David bats on some Sunday afternoon game where you know you're playing a bad team late in the season. You're like, yeah, I sure let the kid hit today. So, so the the thirty teams each brought up two guys. Mm-hmm. So that that's sixty more players from four hundred and fifty, significant yeah. amount less. So and nobody really talks about this and how different it is. Um, and and the managers have complained a little bit about this, and it's been a, it's been a point of contention for several years that baseball was always a weird sport, right? What other sport do you know that has one roster size, and then after a certain date, it's it's another roster size for no reason, <laughs> for no reason other than tradition, I guess. Um, I, were you trying to re- reward your minor league players and what that that had done well to give them a taste of the major league to? Keep them interested. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the, the players had no no more control yeah, of what why, was going on then than they, they do now. And the rosters from 25 to 40. I'm not sure what the impetus for instituting that policy was. So, but it was around for a long time, and I guess we can you know kind of look that up. So what 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 they've done, and and, and if I if I read you, and we, we will not do that. The the players that are called up for most of the teams, even now, the two play. Don't really not notable players. You may have seen them play during the regular season. Uh, you may have not, but I was surprised at the you know sort of lack of names in there that were really interesting when it came to call. Whereas in the past, you'd call up September guys, and sometimes these guys could really contribute right to you know a team's success and and their own start their career in such a way. Okay, so this is so. Hmm, let's me see. I'm just I'm I'm trying to look up for why. The rosters were, for, ha- were originally expanded because I'm not sure because it, it changed because of COVID, but I'm not sure what the original reason was that they decided to implement. Those. But but the, certainly the 40 man roster was something that I grew up with for, for, in, mm-hmm. in September, and and you knew you had to have your team sort of together by August 31st. It was always easy to remember the days, right? If you wanted them to be eligible for the playoffs, they had to be on the roster August 31st. Well, mm-hmm. this year, because the season started late, that went into early September, the last date you could be on there. But now that's that's passed. So these September call-ups uh, probably were were right at the same time. as I don't know if your September call-ups if they were counted to be on the postseason roster or not. I know the Mets called up their young Mark Vientos the other day, uh, and he will not be eligible for the playoffs because his he, he happened after the date. Uh, right, and I, I think keeping it closer because you look back at the olden days and it's like, why why do you need to have all of these guys that basically make it a different team in September? Yes, right, and 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 those guys wouldn't play that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're going to go through because I, I thought MLB did a nice job on an article this summer um, on on the website where they came up with what their opinion was for the best September call ups. I don't remember them exactly the same way, but I think there's some really good names in here that everybody mm-hmm. will kind of be familiar with. Um, so uh, 
The Blue Jays, obviously at the top of the list. Um, Roy Halladay started his Hall of Fame career as a September call-up. I right. did not remember that. I did not remember that either. And there's going to be a lot of, now. It's going to make sense that you're we're going to recognize a lot of you're going to recognize a lot of names on this list because generally guys that came up and performed really well in September even as really young players, were good baseball players. So they're going to be people you've heard of before. Well, Halliday had had an okay first outing with two earned runs, and then he almost pitched the second no-hitter in franchise history in his second game. So uh, obviously he made his, you know, he made his Hall of Fame career. He went on to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, Brooks Robinson for the Orioles came up as a September call. Now, I was not around to watch him do this in 1955. Um, but uh, I would have not guessed, and nor would I have known that Brooks yeah. Robinson, and he, you know, he, he would so never he, know that. And he debuts on September 17th. So that's exactly what it was. That was a way for them to call up this young kid, bring him up to the show, let him get a taste of this is what it's like. And I'm sure it's also in some ways a way to reward your best minor league players. And, as a, and that, that point is right, because let's face it, it wasn't anything that Brooks Robinson did. You know, yeah, he went two for four in his first game, but really is he just was a, as a Hall of Famer that called up in September. Not right. like he was the Orioles' best this, September call-up right, in their This is what it's history. like to be at the, the major league level. This is what it's like to be a professional ball player for the blank team, whatever, the Baltimore Orioles, you know, at that time. You probably remember when David Price get, got called yeah, yeah, up, that of course. that was a big deal because he was the number a, one overall pick. He right. was up like the next year. And he was a relief pitcher for Tampa as they clinched their first AL title yeah. in 2008. So that was big, right, that he, he kind of came in and did that. Um, again, long before your time, but a guy who went to my alma mater uh, and 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 older than me, Freddie Lynn. Uh, and Freddie Lynn was a great college ball player and was also Rookie of the Year and MVP for the Red Sox, which was cool. But what I didn't know is that he came up the year before in 1974. He won the AL MVP and Rookie of the Year in 75, and he was a September call. So again, he he had hit 419 with two doubles and two triples, two homers uh, as a September call up in 43 at bats. Uh, so that was sort of a, a harbinger that he and, was going to be a, a, and a part a of really the reason why teams like to be able to call up guys like this is any guys called up after September 1st still counted as rookies. So you still controlled them for whatever the maximum amount of time that you could control them for. So it was like, you basically got a preview a really young player without using up any of his eligibility. His, right, his service time. You got, you got, you had his same rookie yeah. status for the next year. Um, Yogi Berra for the Yankees was a September call up again. You know, okay, who he knew played, this was going on in 1946? He played seven games at the end of right, the right, but just because season. he became a famous player who came up in September, I'm really looking for the guys that had these remarkable Septembers, and we'll, we'll find a couple of them in here. Corey Kluber. Yeah, he just appeared in a few games, yeah. but he went on to be somebody, so he was one of the guys. And then also for a lot of these teams. You're not going to have a, a rookie come up and make meaningful contributions in September. You know what I mean? That's like a, not every team is going to have a guy that did that, that did it at a time where it was important. Too. Right, well, and, and I think you said the key thing, right? Because is, is it important? So, you know, Beltron comes up in September as a rookie for the Angel, uh, the Angels, the, um, the uh, Kansas City Royals. Uh, and he ended up being rookie of the year the next year, just like Freddie Lynn. Uh, but he, you know, he didn't do much. He just showed that he had talent when he got called up in September of 1998. Um, Alan Trammell, Hall of Famer. He was 19 years old, and he he basically came up uh, with Lou Whitaker uh, being in the field, and they ended up playing their whole career together, but didn't do anything special, but was their most famous call-up because he got called up in September, exactly. but not that he led the Tigers to a... Uh, Same thing with Tony Oliva, right, who... Right. who was interesting sort of just to call up two years in a row to get, you know, a couple at bats. And he showed he was really good in those. But it wasn't until even though he first got called up in 62 in September, it wasn't until 64 that he regularly started getting playing time. 
another Hall of Fame player you don't know too much about, I'm assuming, Luke Appling uh, for the White Sox. Again, called up in September in 1930, which is kind of cool that they had September call-ups even, even in 1930. That, that's 90, almost 90 years ago, right? So, and he played – now, he played a lot more because um, – or he well okay the um appling hit 308 in 26 at bats which was actually a fair number of at bats but i'd actually think that it was craig wilson because right. he had 468 with three homers over 47 though i think maglio or dornez would have probably won it because I, I remember he came up that year and was unbelievable in 97 but he came up in august he came up like three days before so how about K Rod? Now K Rod pitched meaningful and did meaningful stuff for that range, that Angels team. Well, it, right, and and it's the same thing. And, and you mentioned like when we talked about K. Well, who do you remember for different teams? And we'll get to uh, the Braves in a moment because you had somebody pegged. But it yeah. turns out that his September performance was wasn't that much, but his October performance was, was amazing. Huge, yeah. And the same thing with K Rod. Right, he's a young young kid. He comes up and he has an you know five innings in September, so he doesn't really do anything. And then he goes into the post season he goes five and one with a one nine three and they win the world series that is a september call up that comes out well yeah uh joe morgan was a september call up uh but you know playing for the lousy astros in 1963 he couldn't have done anything because they weren't a very good team though the next guy actually did do something when he came up because surprisingly though i'm pretty sure he was on steroids at the time (laughs) i don't know about that no not 1985 well when canseco came up he came up and did 302 with five homers in 29 games like he showed oh i'm gonna be a player next season and he was the al rookie of the year to that next year right right so it's interesting that some of these guys that have nice septembers doesn't necessarily drive their team to a playoff spot but it's just like like it's a way of kind of previewing that this guy's gonna be a problem for other teams for years to come so Edgar Martinez, again, Hall of Famer, uh, hit 372, 413, 581 slash in 13 games in September, uh, and he didn't get a full-time job until three years later. That's kind of interesting. That was always For a Hall of Fame famous. player. Like, he was, he was one of those guys where it was just, I think it was people at the time looked at a guy like him that couldn't play the field and just didn't appreciate how good he was offensively. And we talked about this guy, right, because he is an almost guy, you know, up and down, uh, but you know, two MVPs, twice a September call-up, which is kind of interesting, right? Juan Gonzalez, you know, he, he got he got, went from Double A and he did terrible. He hit 150 when he came up for that year. So he goes back down. He plays Triple A and he comes up again the next you know, the next September and he hit 289 with four homers. So uh, you know, you can see they called him up when he was a kid, still like a kid, kid, and he struggled. And the next year they call him up September and he shows that he's ready. And then he goes on to be one of the better offensive players in the AL throughout the early to mid-90s. So uh, we were talking about the Braves. So there, there is a, uh, the Braves, what, what MLB says is the best September call. But, of course, they're looking at it from the standpoint of what kind of career did this guy have. Right. right? right. So you know, did he, and we called him up in September. I don't even know what the relevance is there. Uh, so it's um, a guy named Jones, and you immediately did what I did and think it was Andrew. Andrew Jones, right? Because what we remember is, is how good he was in the playoffs. And the year. World Series. He hit 438 against the uh, the Yankees in I the think, 96 yeah. World Series or something like that. Home run. Runs, unbelievable, you know, outfield play or whatnot. But he, Chipper Jones, was the one they talked about being called up as a ninth inning defensive replacement in 1993 for Jeff Blauser during a 13 to one Atlanta win. So that's it. That's why Chipper Jones is the best Atlanta call up. I, so not not everything on this list is perfect. 
Uh, Josh Beckett was was called up by the Marlins. And again, that was more just because he made his debut in September. He had a pretty good start when he was called up, but then he went on two years later to help lead them to the World Series. And then we get to our Mets, and I was so sure. Yeah, you were positive. I, you so knew, sure. well, I, I knew who, okay, and, 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 and a player that I love to sort of get on and Met fans like to, I thought the best September call for the Mets would have been Greg Jeffries. Because you thought the world of him when he came up. Oh, September. he was in 1988, right? So the Mets won the World Series in 86 and 88. They had a good season and they ended up losing to the Dodgers and the NLCS and all that. But in September, they were floundering a little bit. They bring up this kid and they had the whole story right, about Greg Jeffries swinging the bat in the pool, you know, you know, like in Sports Illustrated. And his dad was like this maniacal, you know, driving force in the kid's life. So first of all, this guy had the worst baseball instincts of a major league player I have ever seen. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe because he was so talented with the bat. He had no idea what to do with it. For the longest time, and he ended up having an, an okay career. It took him a long time to get there. Uh, but when he first came up in that September, he batted like 450. He hit six home runs. He was like, this guy's fantastic. We're going to go all the way behind Greg Jeffries. It's not Greg Jeffries. It's the, not him. The, the, the greatest Met call, and this is it. So because he, the guy that they would say is the greatest Met call didn't have a Hall of Fame career. Right, didn't, he, a, he isn't even in the Met Hall of Fame. He's not even. In the, he's not even in almost Cooperstown. He he's could, like a couple he, counties over. He could be in the in the Hall of Fame for one play for the Mets. The Met right. Hall of Fame for one play, and that would be our one of our favorites. Yeah, Mookie Wilson. So Mookie came up in 1980. Now the Mets were really bad in 19. They've been a lot of years. They were really bad. That was the catch a rising star or something or the magic is back they had all these slogans uh that they were trying to like prop up the, the moribund mets yeah it's just like let's see if we can lie to the fans and so so he got come. put into the leadoff spot in september of now they were a bad team he hit 268 with seven steals yeah that doesn't really <laughs> seem like the greatest september call that's it that's the best we got well that says a lot that right says a there. lot about your mets uh, Ryan Zimmerman, and, and I think if, if you're an uh, Expos slash Nationals fan, you know Ryan Zimmerman being a September call. Right, I well, remember he, it, he was a, he was a he was like a big prospect. Right, he came up and immediately showed he was going to be a player. Played his whole career. I would say he's got a pretty darn good chance of having his number retired by the Nats. I would say right. Nats fans would would agree. Uh, the Phillies had Jimmy Rollins. Right, but I don't really know how good Rollins was because all of the MLB's list talks about is how he hit a triple in his first <laughs> That That man can fly. Like, okay, uh, he might have hit it, but like, what did he actually do? So this is a guy we talked about in our last podcast, and his name comes up again when we talked about the Milwaukee Brewers. The best September call-up, the Wisconsin-born Jim Gantner. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because a lot of these guys – it, it, it seems to be more trended towards a lot of older players. Right, right, because it was in, in those days you were rewarding them. And you were less worried about service time manipulation. So if you're if you're the Cardinals, you would they would they say it's Stan Musial. Yeah, it makes sense that it's Stan Musial well, because he came up and played really well in those games. Right, he played 12 games in September uh, of 1941, and that was not a year the Cardinals went to the World Series. They won it in 42 uh, and 44 and 46 for that matter. Um, 426, 449, 574 with a 1.023 ops. Yeah, one strikeout in 49 49 plate appearances. That's announcing yourself. Uh, Greg Maddox, and most people don't remember that Greg Maddox came up as a cub. Right, and he, you know, did not have a super distinguished uh, time with the Cubs. It wasn't until he got to the Braves where he won his, uh, he won one Cy Young with the Cubs, actually. But it really wasn't until until his notoriety really increased on the Braves. And and you keep saying it, and you're right, right? So the Pirates consider Willie Stargell their greatest September call-up. 
Um, well, he only played in 10 games in September of 1962. Um, and, and so because he made the Hall of Fame, he's one of the great players of all time. It's a great call-up, but only because it happened in September. Exactly. Nothing, nothing special there. And Joey Votto. Now, this one was a little bit more meaningful because he goes out and he hits three, 300 Almost 320, hit 320 over 24 games and then goes out and wins the rookie of the year next year. So you saw that this kid came up in September of that year, played great, and then just followed it up the next year. So that really just showed that, yeah, Joey Valo was kind of announcing himself. So, so, and here's a bizarre one. So, I, I, okay, the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Miguel Montero. Now, no, I, I like this. I like the MLB's list here because now I admit for the Diamondbacks, it's pretty hard. There, you haven't been around that long. That, that's fair. That's fair. You haven't been in the postseason a lot, especially since you first kind of came around. But now, why is Miguel Montero notable? Is it because he performed really well? No, he just happened to debut in a game where somebody else threw a no hitter. So I, I didn't realize that Montero compiled a 121 ops in 11 when Arizona won the NL West. But that was three years after his September debut. Like, that's his claim to fame. He's not a Hall of Fame player. He's not He's a Hall a of guy. Fame diamond. He's, He's a, a guy who he was a, a major league catcher yep. is what he was. Uh, Fernando Valenzuela. Now this, okay, number one, I was living in L.A. when Fernando came up. So that was amazing. And it wasn't really that year right because he came up in september uh of, of 1980 and and it just was because he was mexican and because he had the but weird he still, wind up he still debuted you 17 and two-thirds scoreless innings right when he comes up in september so it was like people already kind of knew oh he might be special and it kind of just went on into the next season because the dodgers then he ended up having the unbelievable 1981 where he won the cy young mm-hmm. and the rookie of the year and, and the, the dodgers won the world series so. so you know that was it just seemed like it started in september of 80 and just went all the way through 81 it was just one super long season with the winter interrupting yeah um one of my favorite names the giants consider john the count of montefusco uh to be their you know greatest um, call up and in 1974 uh, they had a nice team in 1974 but again it wasn't until he won the rookie of the year, he won the rookie of the year the next year and so this was just a portent so that this the, was guy's guy, gonna be this, this guy was gonna be here a, a really good uh, a really good player um khalil green for the padres really and he could, i like how even the mlb kind of acknowledges that this isn't a great pick where he's like he was okay when he came up yeah, yeah, yeah. okay he had six a 671 ops which is not great in 20 games okay he played 20 games in september maybe that's what we're gonna go with he got into 20 well, games it's better than this with a, a ball and he finished of, second in the in, in, yeah, it's better <laughs> than the rockies who were like well we had a guy that had a pick and only two guys in the rockies top 12 war even debuted in september so we're just gonna go with ubaldo jimenez so it's conceivable that you will never see a September call-up have an impact unless there's an injury to a primary player and the, and the guy that's called up happens to fit that slot directly. Right, exactly. Right, because I, I don't see teams depending on September call. The, what you're doing now with the September call-up is you, you're looking for fit where you might be weak. You're not going to carry a third catcher no, anymore. You might go, okay, we want to carry an extra left-handed arm and another outfielder or another infielder. 
Right, right. Where are we? Where do we need? You know, you, you can't bring up the Billy Hamilton the, the, base stealing guy yeah, who does be, nothing else but steal yeah, you bases. You can't bring up Terrence Gore. Right. Yeah. You can't. You can't do that anymore because you're only bringing up two players, uh, and so you kind of. You can't are, bring up a guy who's only used to you is he's just really fast. So I, I think it's gonna. I think the September call up thing is gonna be sort of forgotten over time because it's not gonna have anywhere near the impact it did when you had well, yeah, 15 new guys exactly. on the team. Exactly. When you cut it by, you know. A magnitude of almost like six or eight. It's just not going to work anymore. And, and and there's part of me that misses that opportunity for a guy who was in the minor leagues to come in and play in September. I think and be on the postseason roster and contribute. The most are the bad franchises because if you're really bad in a season, September was at least then interesting because maybe you get to see some of the kids for the next season that can give you some hope. Now you're not really strongly encouraged to do that. So you're just like, oh, okay, we're just going to kind of keep sucking in September too. And and I, I assume that you're concerned with service time. So even those games that they're playing in September counted all towards that service time. So and your rookie status, you know, so you you, you can only play a certain amount of games and you know and a certain amount of at bats uh, in order to be able to still qualify for your rookie status. But I do season. understand that it is baseball is weird because it's the only sport where it's just like ah oh, you can add guys to your roster now. It's okay. It's kinda, right. that is kind of weird. So that's kind of gone by the wayside, right? Yeah. That's that's over now. We all play by the same rules and the same rosters. Um, I think it's better. Don't you? Agreed. Yeah. And so, you know, just finishing up looking over this list, some of these, like, especially with like some of the more egregious ones here at the end with Khalil Green and Ubaldo Jimenez, if you're a fan of any of these teams and you know this was definitely not the best September call up in terms of like impact, reach out and let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Send us your Greg Jeffries. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at Almost Hoops.